through 20. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. The word of the Lord. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with your, all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let, your, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, since you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and the renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Father, as I speak, I pray that you would speak through me by the power of your Spirit. Bless your people, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. If we've been going through Zephaniah, you've been kind of seeing a lot of judgment and a lot of woe in, in this book. So just kind of go back with me and, and look at the beginning of, of, of Zephaniah chapter 1. As we kind of close this book, you see it begins with, with a coming judgment on Judah. Uh, Judah was, at this point, was the only people who are left of the people of God. The, the northern ten tribes of Israel had already been taken out. Uh, and he, there was a prophecy of judgment coming against God's people because of their sin. Because they looked more like the world than they liked, than like the people of, of God. And, and throughout chapter 1, and, and you hear these, this, this calling to repent and to humble oneself before the Lord. Because that great day of the Lord, the day of wrath, the day of reckoning, the day of anger, the day of fiery judgment is going to come upon the earth. In chapter 2, you see that, that calling, oh, gather together, yes, gather, O oh, shameless nation, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord. Verse 3, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do his just command. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden in the day of the anger of the Lord. There's this calling of anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, who would humble themselves, that God would gather them together to be his people. And the, really, the rest of chapter 2 is just really all of judgment uh, against the nations. And again, more judgment on Jerusalem and the nations in chapter 3. Uh, so in chapter 3, it kind of begins this, this ominous way. Woe to her who is the rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. This is the, the city of Jerusalem. The city was supposed to be marked as God's people were, were going to be crushed. Why? Because they listen to no voice. They accept no correction. They do not trust in the Lord, and it does not draw near to God. So God was going to bring his justice against Jerusalem for, for not trusting in him and not seeking his name. And then you see chapter four, verse 14, which has this beautiful turning, right? We should, we should all feel like uh, Jerusalem and Israel, the, 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 the remnant who are left of God's people, those people who, who know that they should live for the Lord every single day, every single minute of every single hour, and yet who have lived in rebellion against God, have lived not to honor his name, but have lived in, in sinfulness. And there's this great calling out to that oppressive, defiled city in verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of 
Jerusalem. Now, we're called, commanded to sing, and we're commanded to rejoice here, the people of God are. Uh, Why? Verse 15. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. I mean, just think about how amazing this is for the people of, of God, right? They were sure that the prophecy of God was going to, of God's judgment and wrath was going to come against them. Uh, it was going to be the people, the enemies, as happened to the northern tribes of, uh, the ten northern tribes of, of Israel, taken down by the Assyrians. There's this prophecy that's going to happen against God's people. And here, this is, no, that's not going to happen. Your, your judgments are taken away, right? Sing and rejoice. Uh, you, you can imagine, like, standing in, in a court case, and standing in, in, in the, uh, the defendant's box, and the judge was about to lay down a, a, a just and right uh, judgment against you uh, for a crime that you committed, uh, then all of a sudden the case is thrown out. Joy, joy, rejoicing, celebrating, right? That you're not going to face the, the judgment of what you deserve. This is what the people of God deserve because of their rebellion. And God says, I have taken your judgments away. That the judgment of God against you and your sin and your rebellion has been taken away from you. Shout, rejoice. The people of God should not be passive in our emotions. Too often, we, we, we don't often, I'm not saying that every time that we, 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 we get moved by the gospel, we have to have a visible expression of, of shouting and joy, of exhilaration. But there should be emotion when we hear about the gospel when we are reminded that there was this judgment that was against us and now it has been taken away. And why? Why has it been taken away? Look at the end of verse 15. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. How kind God is that God comes to us in our rebellion, in our sinfulness, and he comes down. Obviously, we know this primarily in the person of Jesus Christ He comes to rescue us and to be in our midst by taking the judgments for us so that we could be forgiven. I cannot wait to to teach this Sunday one of my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, 1 John 2, 1. my, My children, I write to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous who is the propitiation not only for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Well, that's because God came to be in our midst. God is with us. You know, you know in recent months, I've heard a lot of people talking about fear and uh, being overwhelmed, anxiety. Now, listen, fear, being overwhelmed, anxiety is going to flood upon us, right? We can't always control when anxiety flies at us, Okay. We can't control when those feelings of being overwhelmed fly at us because emotions just happen. Uh, We're in a fallen world, and we can't always control when our emotions come. But we can control how we speak to those emotions and ground ourselves in the truth. So when the, the fear tends to assail us, when the anxiety tends to overwhelm us, what do we say? The Lord is in our midst. And because the Lord is in my midst, what does the text say? You shall never again fear you have the Lord, the, the mighty one, the, the strong one is in your midst. This is the, the whole idea of what, what uh, Zephaniah is trying to draw out. Look at verse 16. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, and I think by Jerusalem, by extension, all of God's people, the remnant who are left 
uh, to follow the Lord. Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. Uh, You know those days when you feel like you can't really go on anymore, right? You know, it may not be where your hands are trembling. It may be your hands are trembling, but it may just feel like, I just just don't know if I can do it. I just don't know if I can can take this anymore. Which is weird. I don't typically get get in those places, but there's definitely been some times in the last three or three months dealing with all the things that we're dealing with and trying to lead the people of God here at Park where I've just been, my hands were kind of shaking. Lord, I don't don't know if I, I want to continue this. Can you just take this away? I'm tired. And the Lord would say to me, as he would say to you when you're in that moment, fear not. Fear not. I am in your midst. I am with you. The Lord is our shepherd, and we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is the one who is leading us. The Lord is the one who is with us. So we don't have to let our hands grow weak. We can strengthen our hands for the task the Lord has given us. Whatever task the Lord has given you, in your jobs, in your, in your families, whatever thing that you feel weary in, God says, I am with you, and I will carry you through this. So we don't have to grow weak in our hands. We have to look up, and we have to see our God, our strong and mighty God. This is what he keeps on going, verse 17. What a glorious verse. If you haven't memorized this verse, I would, I would encourage you to do so. This is one of those beautiful verses, the nuggets of the Old Testament. The Lord your God is in your midst. Again, he reminds us of the Lord's presence. And just, just throughout the scriptures, what do you see time and time again? I know that many of you are, some of you are studying Joshua in, in Sunday school. Uh, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am with you. Well, we looked at that in uh, Isaiah 41.10, just a couple uh, Sunday nights ago, when we took the Lord's Supper. When you see the Lord's presence, you see fear going away. When you're in the Lord's presence, you see fear going away. It's even going to be in 1 John. When it talks about fear being cast out or driven away, why? It's because of the presence of, of God. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God is mighty to save you in your sins. Whatever sin you feel is going to separate you from God, whatever shame you carry with that, you need to know that the Lord came to die for your sins. And there is no sin in this world that will keep you from Christ except a willful rejection of his good grace. It doesn't matter what you have done. Many of you maybe walked into this room today feeling loaded down with guilt and shame. And you need to know that the Lord is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. We know that because he overcame the grave. The tomb is empty. Our God is mighty to save. And I love this, um, these emotions here. He does two things here. It says that he will rejoice over us with gladness. And what is our response? He will kind of quiet us by his love. You ever have that moment when you have felt love either by someone in your life or felt love by the Lord and you really can't even speak? Emotion just kind of grips you and you're just overwhelmed with God's kindness and mercy in your life. And, 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 And the Lord does that for his own joy. He's joyfully the one who to save us. It's not like he just has to save us because we, we repented and we say we follow Jesus. No, the Lord delights in saving us. 
There's this spontaneous eruption of joy in heaven every time a sinner turns from their sins and trusts in Christ. If you are a sinner here today, if you turn from that sin and rejoice in Christ, the angels in heaven will sing in joy to the Father and the Son and the Spirit. This is our God. I remember um, almost nine years ago, and uh, we had two children at that point, Elizabeth and John David, and uh, I was going to preach uh, for a Sunday morning at our, at, our, at our former church. I preached maybe three or four times a year. And that Sunday, Sunday morning, Ellen told me that we were uh, expecting uh, little Olivia. And I just remember walking and like getting ready for the sermon, and, and I just started singing. I just started singing out and belting at the top of my lungs. And we lived in the middle of nowhere, by God's grace, right? And I was just singing with joy because I was so happy for that little one. And I didn't even know her at four or six or eight. And that little girl has given me so much joy. Listen, when God saves you, he doesn't just see you at the moment when he saves you. He sees you the next day and the next year and the next 10 years and the next 20 years and the next thousand years when you're in his presence and it gives him joy in that moment. God delights to save and he has the power to save beloved. And look what he, how he ends here. Verse 18. This exaltation begins not only with one but with many. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. There's a group who wanted to be at the festivals in Numbers 28 and 29, all the festivals that the people of God celebrated the Lord's kindness to them. They they couldn't make it because of their sin. And and he says, no, no, I'm going to gather all of you who, who want to be with me. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame. I will gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth you know that when we are saved, that God gives us this great privilege for ourselves? God called us who were lame, called us who were the outcasts, called us who were, who were rebels and sinners. And you know what he does? He says, come be on my team. So we can gather the lame, we can gather the outcasts, we can gather the sinner so that they and us can one day gather around the, the throne of the Lamb saying, worthy is him who was slain, deserves glory, honor, and Beloved, are we the kind of church that is going after the lame, the outcast? You know, I think that in our day, too many Christians are concerned only about right now and not about eternity. And we have to flip that script. Because the people of Israel here were dealing with hardship and trials and, and difficulties, but they were looking forward to that day that day when the Lord would gather his people, the day of the Lord. It says at that time, verse 20, I will bring you in. At, that, at the time when I gather you together. Just, just that note, the day's fixed, beloved. At that time, at the time, the, 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 the victory's already been won, right? The Lord has, has, has said to Satan and the evil in this world, checkmate with the resurrection of Christ. But his ascension, it says, it, the, the, this world is on a timetable. And every day that we have 
is a sign of God's patience for salvations to bring more lame, more outcasts, and more sinners into his presence. But on that day, it says, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if we can fully grasp this, because in the West, we are a prosperous nation. We have a plethora of, of, of abundance. But imagine speaking to a nation that you don't know if you're going to have a meal. Speaking to a nation that is being oppressed by your enemies on all sides. A nation that all they know is war. And God says, oh, there's going to be a day. Oh, there's going to be a day when all your sin will be over. All the oppression, all the injustice will end. And I will come to you and I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. You shall feel no more pain and you shall see no more of those you love in pain. And death shall be no more. Because our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save, and he wants to rejoice over us with loud singing. God, I pray, I pray, I pray that we would do the same. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the salvation we have in Christ. We thank you so much that you have quieted us with your love. We all can say, those of us who know Christ, why us? Why should we receive your mercy? We are so unworthy, and yet you were kind and gracious for us. We pray that we would be agents of kindness and mercy to those in our lives. And God, we thank you that you rejoice over us, that you love us, that you love us. Oh God, I pray that we would be the kind of people who want to rejoice and sing over those who were lame, who were outcasts and sinners, but have been washed with the blood of the Lamb. We pray, God, that we would rejoice in our salvation and rejoice when we see you save others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.